Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Book of Alicia, where we talk about womanhood, motherhood, wifeyhood, and everything in between. I may not know everything, but I know something, so we're going to talk about some things, okay? I am your host, Alicia, and I'm ready to dive into some things today. But first, let me start off by sharing with you ways you can connect with me on social media. You can follow me at the Book of Alicia on Instagram, as well as like my Facebook page, The Book of Alicia. You can also follow me on my blog at www.aliciashavon.com. That's www.aleshashevon.com. There you can get a glimpse of my life and thoughts, as well as purchase books that I have co-authored in the past year. So on today's episode, I caught up with an old friend, y'all, Roslyn Green. She is here to discuss her book that was just released back in October. This book is called Concrete Rose, God's Grace and Motherhood. She discussed her experiences as being a single mother and how her relationship with God made her the mother and person she is today. So I can't wait for you guys to hear this interview and I'm going to apologize in advance because my internet was terrible and my connection was terrible. So every time I spoke, there was always an an issue. So I wasn't able to edit out everything um, in the recording because it would have just affected the whole um, interview because my internet was not doing it wasn't being nice that day okay but luckily and thankfully um Rosalind came out nice and clear and that's the person I wanted you guys to hear and her words were the most important so if you can just bear it through um the the ins and out of my internet you will definitely be blessed okay all right let's get in Rosalind Green has a bachelor's of social work degree. She is currently pursuing her master's of public administration at the Indiana Western University in Marion, Indiana. She was inducted into the National Honor Society of Indiana Western University, Eta Theta Iota chapter in April of 2019. While working on her bachelor's of social work internship, Rosalind realized she wanted to dive into the arena of public policy after working with the 21st Judicial District Courts in Manhattan, Kansas, thus going back to school and enrolling full-time as an MPA student with a concentration in criminal justice. In her spare time, Rosalind, a military spouse, enjoys reading, writing, and and a close relationship with her husband and four children. She has authored several books, Concrete Rose, God's Grace and Motherhood, and Launch Your Line. Rosalind's main goal is to continue to add value to her community and restore societal integrity that seems to lack when faced with adversity. Rosalind lives her life in full pursuit of Jesus Christ to continue to fulfill her life's purpose. Y'all get ready for this interview because it was a good one. Let's get it in. Hello. Hi. Hello. Okay, so I am here with Rosalind Green. Rosalind is the author of Concrete Roads, God's Grace and Motherhood. And I want her to introduce herself to you all. Um, and just share who she is, and we're going to talk a little bit about her book. So, and Rosalind, um, as I'm speaking, if you can't hear me or if I go off a little bit, let me know, because sometimes the, the signal doesn't um, come through clear. So if okay. I'm saying anything that you can't hear clearly, just tell me to repeat it when it cuts off. Okay, sounds good. Okay, all right. 
Go ahead. You can go ahead and introduce yourself. And tell um, us about Go ahead. Okay, I think it was one of those times where the I believe you asked me to go ahead and say a little bit about myself. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, yeah, my name is Rosalind Green, and I'm a mother of four. Uh, I'm also married. Uh, my spouse is active duty military, and uh, we're currently in the state of Georgia, where I um, work as a Army Community Service Specialist with mobilization and deployment. A little bit about me is that I love to write. I love to share God's word as my first love, but professionally, I love policy. I love anything related to policy development and implementation. And that's just because I think if I have the capability to understand complex laws or regulations somebody else may not have that capability and I can be able to take something very complex and break it down so that they can understand it. And I love being a mother. I love spending time with my kids, but now everybody's grown. There's only <laughs> two left in the house. <laughs> so yeah, we just like to enjoy the coastal area and stuff like that. And I am at the finishing end of my master's in public administration. So I'm super excited about that. And uh, my bachelor's was in social work. So. Oh, well, congratulations. I didn't even know you were um, getting your, your master's. So congratulations yes. on that. <laughs> okay. You. I'm almost done. <laughs> cool. No, so I just want to let everyone know that um, Rosalind and I have for quite a while, I would say since I was like pre-teens, so maybe young. 10, 11, <laughs> 10, 10 or 11. So I'm very happy to be able to connect with you, Rosalind, um, just on your new book and just on a personal level as well. And just knowing what you're going, what you're, uh, what you're doing and how you're doing this time, because we haven't spoken in years. So um, I'm just going to ask you a few questions about your book, Concrete Rose. And we're just going to flow through the interview and let the audience get an idea of who you are, what your book is about, so that by the end of this, they'll be they'll be ready to go out and purchase the book from Amazon. So first, let's start by saying or asking what inspired you to write the book in the first place. So I was inspired to write it because I know that there are so many single mothers out there who don't have a particular outlet to express the difficulties and challenges that comes with being a single mom. So there's two types of audience, I think. There's one audience that may not handle the pressures and intensities that come with it. And so they're very boisterous and they let that be known. But then there's audience B, and I would put myself in audience B, that just chooses to tackle those issues in your house personally without diverting them to the to the outside and handling them the best way you can. So Concrete Rose really encapsulates my privacy, the moments that I had of 
um, intensive self-preservation, um, learning how to take everything, my difficulties, tribulations, trials, my deep concerns to God and maneuver through every challenge that was thrown at me that way. So it's written to let the next mother know that, hey, you're not alone by yourself. And also to let another population know that be mindful of everyone who's around you because just because this is a single mother and she's not married or she's not who you think she should be doesn't mean that she's not significant. And it definitely doesn't mean that God's hand is not upon her life. Mm -hmm. So indeed it is. And that's just to let people know that you can overcome anything if you keep your focus on Jesus Christ, if you are a believer. Yeah. yeah, And I'm glad that you say that it's kind of targeted towards different um, audiences as well, because I think a lot of times there are people, like you say, that are that choose to be silent and they go through a lot of things that people don't even understand what they're going through. But yet they're doing it. And that's not the time to me. I feel like that's not the time for you to shun people, but that's the time for you to, you know, kind of see the world from their eyes and see what their experiences and see how you can be a help and not necessarily um, make them feel like they're alone. Mm-hmm. So I definitely appreciate that. Okay. Okay. So in your book, um, you talk about your experiences in the church and how you were treated during your pregnancy. Can you talk more about that? And what was that like for you? Yes. Yeah, so each pregnancy was different. I still stayed at um, the church that I grew up with, which was our our local church home. And uh, we were very structured. So to be outside of the box of having a child out of wedlock is something that you just don't want to do. And that was just the the structure of knowing that you just don't do that. And I didn't really understand like grace, but I know I had did that. Now, did I mean to do that? No, that wasn't my plan. I did not want to do that. Right. I wanted to be married and have kids afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, there was once again, two groups. There was a group that was very loving, very welcoming, very happy for me, very supportive. And then of Of course, there was another group that where I experienced some backlash and, you know, dealing with rumors and gossip and he say, she say. And, you know, when people don't know the details of your life, I believe they make things up just to Mm -hmm. fill a story for them. Mm -hmm. And when you're not responsive to it, I think you can kill that story (laughs) by not feeding to it. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. So, Having a child at 19 versus having one at 25 was mentally different. And once again, I have to add Jesus in there because with each child, I believe I grew closer to God, yet still making the same mistake, right? Because I I had a child out of wedlock, but hey, it's like I, I don't know what to say to that, um, except life happens and these are choices that I made. But as the church family, I just wanted to experience love, the love that I felt from Jesus and the love that I read about in the Bible on how we are to be accepted and not ostracized or covered and kept and not talked about or welcomed in and embraced. I 
like I said, it was two groups. I did not experience that from one group. And yet from another, I did. And how did that, how did that change your view of the church as a whole? It it changed it as in, man, the church is really hypocritical because Mm -hmm. yes, here we are preaching one message of God's grace and his infinite wisdom. And if we um, fall seven times and we get back up, he still forgives us. He's an everlasting God and he loves us the way that we are. I didn't feel that. I felt that I had to be perfect. And if Mm I wasn't perfect, then something's wrong with me. And it was kind of like a hell and brimstone per se, rather than an embrace of love through Jesus Christ, because I'm never going to get it right. I'm Mm -hmm. only going to be received by God through Jesus Christ. And this wasn't the foundation that I was given. I was given a foundation 10 commandment like, um, and you may can relate to that Alicia a little mm-hmm. bit. I know you were young, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Don't look this way, act this way, dress this way, talk this way. Yes. You're not welcomed. <laughs> yes. Please. So we're not <laughs> you with that. <laughs> yeah and this is crazy that you say that and and it's crazy that you talk about that in your experiences because I've talked about that before how um really I, I call it religion yes different between religion religion and so like I have to be perfect in everything that I did and I've talked about it in motherhood as well I've talked about it um how I was afraid. Um, I don't want my kids to be, you know, seen a certain way because I don't want people to think I wasn't taking care of my kids, right, you know, the right way and things like mm-hmm. that. So I definitely understand the the. I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna say the desire, but the um, the feeling of needing to be perfect. And then when you do something that they feel like isn't perfect, all of us. Everybody, everybody wants to say, "Well, you know, you should have been. You know, you shouldn't have done that. You know, you just don't." Right. And I definitely thing, yeah. understand it. And my thing is, motherhood doesn't come with a book. And then another yep. thing is that we, God gave us these children. We have the gifts and talents and capabilities to mother our own kids. So you have the perfect plan for the girls. I have the perfect plan for my three girls and my son, but everyone likes to incorporate their idea on what they should be doing. But in all honesty, God's the one that used you to bring that child. So that means that you're equipped with everything you need for that child. So the opinion is not welcomed. Yeah. It's not welcomed. And like I said, I think it's just like people don't know how much words hurt so bad Mm. or perceptions hurt so bad. I could be one moment on the brink of suicide and you, it would take your tongue murder that's what I like to call it when you feel like the need to just lash at somebody and say your opinion Mm -hmm. or ever you want I could be getting ready to jump off of a ledge and your one word of how are you doing today or smile could save me or send me leaping yep yep 
I definitely agree with that. And it, and it, I, I remember having a conversation a while back about how I wanted my voice when I speak to my kids, I wanted my, my voice to be equivalent to how God would speak to us because the way that I was brought up, the way that I heard things made me feel uncomfortable really um, having a relationship with God because I felt like he was always judging me. And that's because yeah. I, the, the people <laughs> of the church are always judging. So if yeah. you are preaching one thing and you're judging me, I'm thinking that that's, that's my perception of God. It's He's someone that's going to be judging me because that's what the people of the church are, do- are doing, basically, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. So I have to kind of tell myself, you know, that's not how God is. God is not that type of person. So I can't rely on people's opinions or what people say about me because that's not how God's going to see me. And if I want my kids to be comfortable and have a relationship with God, I have to make my voice sound like he's not like the people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it reminds me. Yeah. Of how like- did. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. It reminds me of how, you know, religion is like, at first you don't know about it. I, I consider it kind of like a Neo type ordeal or a matrix effect. So you grow up in it and it's like a foundation, but then you have to overcome that that's not the reality. So you come out yeah. of that through Jesus Christ and it's a stony, hard, cold foundation. And then you want to try and go get others to let them know that this is not the way, but all the while, like you're rejected on it. And I had Mm -hmm. to relearn Mm -hmm. how to love myself while projecting perfection. And I have it together. I wasn't loving myself in some things granted, which is why I made choices to get involved with people who weren't number one, God's will for my life. And number two, couldn't mm-hmm. love me the way that he loved me because I didn't understand that. Yeah, you wasn't loving yourself. I was not loving myself. Anytime I, I, we yeah. make decisions that hurt, inflict us, we don't realize that we're putting self-inflicting wounds. And he would tell me, you know, the Holy Spirit would tell me, you know, Roslyn, you know, you're hurting yourself. And all it's like, you, you want to be loved. You want to be with someone. You want to be in a relationship or you don't want to be seen like that. You don't want people to walk away from you. You're trying to do your best. But how do I do that? And he was firm, like, come back to me. Everyone that you choose mm-hmm. apart from me will walk away from you until you come back to me to get my perfect will for you. Mm, mm, mm. so tell me more about how your relationship with god was strengthened strengthened during the times of your um your pregnancies and things like that um it really was strengthened because i i dived into the bible and i know it may sound hypocritical to say but that was the safest place I could run after, okay, this mistake was made. And that was actually the best place I could have ran because I could have ran anywhere else, but I ran to the word. And as I spent more time daily, daily, daily in God's word, I would have a routine, you know, I'd get the kids squared away. And then I would spend time in his word. I was able to be a stay at home mom and cook breakfast, lunch, dinner for my kids. And be with them um, 
and really give them that foundational life of of having a mom at home. And that's what I like too, because he made me a mother because I would try to go out and work and the jobs wouldn't last that long. And he's like, no, I'll provide for you. But growing up, it's like, oh, you don't work. How are you going to do this? How are you going to take care of your kids? No one was understanding like God is my provider. And that was the hardest mm. thing. And I would, I would be like, Lord, it's so easy if it was just you. But I have other people like, why aren't you working? How are you doing this? And how are you going to take care of your kids? But and these were Christians at sometimes. <laughs> and I would be like, don't hold on. Don't you trust God? Don't don't. He's my sole provider. Mm. Like he, you know, opened the Red Sea. He gave manna in the wilderness. Like, what do you mean? He broke strongholds like he is my sole provider. He and he would he would amaze me on the things that he would do as far as providing for me. Um, and, you know, I did hair on the side or he would show me astronomical favor in places that I lived and he would multiply my money and it would just stretch to where no one else could say that I did this for Rosalind and her kids because only the things he did for me were very evident. And as you read the book, some mm. circumstances were like, how in the world? And it's because those mm. were God's circumstances. And that's what brought me closer to him. Like every milestone, he became more and more real. So he became unable to deny his presence and effectiveness <laughs> in my life yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and it's I think like, sometimes yeah. you need that because when you know that there's nobody else you can give the credit to but him mm -hmm. I think that's that's all you need yeah you be like okay it didn't come from this person it didn't come from this person it had to come from God so it makes you trust him even more or like rely on him even more Wow. Yeah. And I that's started crazy because it is. Go ahead. No, I'm gonna say that's that's crazy because I, I sit here and I think about how I was gonna say, well, why didn't you why did you feel like <clears throat> excuse me? Why did you feel like um what were you saying earlier? You said oh you were talking about it it was coming from Christians saying, you know, why aren't you working and, and mm -hmm. you should be working in order to take care of your kids. And I was thinking why why didn't you I'm gonna say why didn't you um sorry I'm trying to think of the word this what was your what was your your response to them was basically like um you know God parted the Red Sea and he did all the, those things but why would you even dignify that with an answer I mean I don't I don't know the other <laughs> way but I, I guess I'm thinking of I, I can't even think of the, the phrase I'm trying to say but I would have been like that's none of your business <laughs> why? like why would like, I even justify that <laughs> yeah like why yeah because you should know you should know like why should I have to, why should I, I mean, some people you have to remind some people you yeah. have to kind of but i guess i was thinking, I don't think like why are you even yeah. doing what i'm doing exactly <laughs> and you know what i think those were also too because i had to grow from people pleasing and being defined by that to where i just no longer yeah. so it was just to give back yeah. well um the lord will provide for me you know, and then I came to a point of understanding that I don't have to answer to anyone but him. Um, and he, yeah. you know, that was something that he had to deal with me with because, 
you know, you want to be nice, even though people are, are not, and you want to make sure this was my mind, make sure I'm representing him at, at all times as best that I can. So my response would be, well, God's my provider. Well, he provided for, for, you know, the children of Israel, he provided for Joshua, you know, Jonah, yeah, Noah. Yeah. Like, I'm like, aren't you guys reading the same Bible that I'm reading? But yes. what I came to know is that you could be in the church all day and no, nothing biblical you would be, you're able to stand on until you encounter God for yourself. So the reason why religious folks were questioning me is because they didn't know him for itself. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when I ran into powerhouses, Alicia, when I ran into other people of different nationalities and stuff like that in different churches who would be so loving and embracing, they never asked me those kind of questions. They never treated me Mm -hmm. like, um, why are you not doing this? Why They would look at me and say, wow, the hand of God is on your life. Mm. or say nobody but God did that for you they were able to recognize recognize it yes yes yes. yeah yeah wow wow tell me more about excuse me tell me more about um what motherhood motherhood has taught you and what did you learn from this being You know, what's so funny. And I look at it now in my, in my career, motherhood taught me management, supervision and organization. (laughs) Yep, it did. So the kids and you know, for yourself, I had my house, they had to be clean. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it taught me organization. It taught me priority. So number one, If I have to function with the kids, we have to get on some type of order. So you play with your stuff in your room. Um, I'm teaching everybody how to do their laundry. I'm teaching everybody how to clean up after themselves. I'm teaching Brandy, Ania, and Jalen how to cook at designated times. Like that's how I ran my household. And I contribute that to good organization, time management, and supervision because we would not have an idle time. I wanted to make everything teachable for my kids. That way they can help me as I'm helping yep. them. That's what yeah. I wanted to do. <laughs> and it worked out well. And I love motherhood and I, I love my husband with all my heart. Yes. But I tell I every I tell mm-hmm. him and, and the girls and the kids know my most amazing times in my life was when I was a single mother amazing I had joy I had Mm. peace I had order I had structure and I believe it's because I laid it out like that for them because I didn't want to be stressed or bogged Mm. down no like if the kids want to spend time with me and I'm doing something I would try to incorporate them as best as I can or give them time uh with me a lot of a lot of time with me, a lot of sitting down with me, laying in my bed, watching movies, like doing those motherly things that I may so yeah. do not get because my mom had to work. Yeah. So yeah, that's what that's what that's how I I saw it as that's what it taught me. It taught me how to manage, how to supervise, how to have order, how to have structure. Um and now I'm able, I can incorporate that because when I'm working with people or if I'm supervising uh, 
employees, I can pinpoint each of what, what employee has this strength or what strength they don't have or a weakness mm-hmm. or something they can, inf- you know, work, improve on. And I'll try to build up that weakness and not exercise their, their, uh, their, um, like their flaw. So mm-hmm. kind of like a strength-based approach. Oh, you're good at this. You can do this, or you can do this. Like just kind of sitting back and looking at the capabilities of employees and groups and managing them in that perspective. And also individuality. It taught me individuality because I never let the kids make excuses for themselves. You do this, this is why. No excuse. You can do this, this is why. Each kid is not going to be a straight A student. I may have a C student, I may, but as long as you guys pass, each kid may not want to go to college, but as long as you do what you want to do, you can do that. Like, yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? Like give them yeah. the freedom to yeah. be who they are and not set this expectation. So yeah. I have, I did learn a lot as a mom. <laughs> no. And you know what? It's like, I think while you're speaking, I was thinking about how, you know, sometimes people look at being a single mom. I mean, it is, tough. I I know I can't, I'm honestly, I can't really relate, but I can see how it can be tough. And I'm, as you were speaking, I'm thinking, wow, had you had that not been your circumstances you may not have gained the skills that you have that you that you're able to gain because here I am I struggle with those things like I struggle with trying to make sure that they're on a schedule or trying to make sure that they have their they're cleaning up like they're supposed to be cleaning Mm -hmm. up because I feel like my attention is always on somebody if it's not the kids is my husband you know what I mean mm-hmm. so I was thinking as you were speaking you had the opportunity to really mold and shape your house and to really um to have it on a routine because you had to make it work for yourself in order for things to flow well for you you had to do those things because like you said you had to you had to um they had to help you help them kind of you know what mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. and it, it created some yeah it created like so skills for you like wow we might sit here and look at something as oh wow that's tough but look what you've gained from all of that look at what you've gained and then your ability to be with them your ability to give them the attention that they need individually is something that I think is a blessing as well because just from knowing you I don't think your kids were ever deprived of you or deprived (laughs) of your attention or you know your love or anything like that Mm -hmm. you know what I mean so it's a blessing because you're able to be that person for them and be able to see them thrive and help them thrive because y'all was, y'all was kind of like, y'all was y'all, y'all team. We really were. Yes. <laughs> and we still are. <laughs> we got group chat growing, going, we stay connected. We are ride or die for each other. We are, st- and the kids, I wouldn't let them fight and argue. They are close mm-hmm. to each other. Let's say, if Brandon does something or one of the kids, well, now it's just Brandon and Jalen in the house and Jalen graduates in May. So it'll just be Brandon. Oh, right. Oh. So you know how big they are. But <laughs> like, if I tell them, you know, your brother didn't do this, the girls will call. Why didn't you do this? Like a team effort. Like what, you yeah. know, you know, this is not the expectation. Like they keep each other in line and they, they stick by each other. You know, when, when uh, we PCS from Kansas here to Georgia, Ania is back in Kansas in college and Brandy and Brian were up in Kansas as well because he worked up there. So 
Ania was able to go visit with Brandy for the holidays. So where we wasn't at, she was with her sister. And I just thought that that was an amazing bond because she was like, mom, I'm gonna have my sister come up here with me or me and Brian are going to go down there and be with her. It's just like keeping those bonds of sisterhood and family really close, you know? And I also think that God ordered my steps the way that he did because I came from a lineage of strong women who always worked Mm -hmm. and I was the first to actually stay home. And I would have been out there working, working, working if he would have not closed the door. But if I would have, my household would have been neglected and I wouldn't have been able to be a mother to them. Like he wanted me to be, he really, got me to focus on the family and see how important and intricate it is to actually be a mother. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I was like taking back a little bit. Yeah. (sighs) To be a mother that's like, yes. (laughs) Yeah. And as you're speaking, like I'm thinking about, I'm like, it is a blessing because that's something that a lot of people struggle with to be honest like they struggle with that balance being able right. to because you have the notion that like you said like you have to work you have to work you know how are you going to make it if you're not working and mm-hmm. if you're working something's going to be something's going to be um you're going to get shortchanged. Right. so either if you're going to work really hard your family's going to be shortchanged, mm-hmm. and if your family's important to you you have to balance that and not put so much emphasis on certain things so that's why as you were speaking I'm like it's really a blessing because people really struggle with that like there's mothers that want to be that want the opportunity to be there for their kids like have you been for yours and they don't know how to do that because of what they've been taught what they've come from what what would you say have been like the difficult parts of motherhood um Maybe answering some unanswered questions like, you know, my kids, you know, if they like Brandy or not, if they didn't have like that dad in the household and answering Mm -hmm. that question, well, oh, they didn't really talk much about it. They didn't really. But now that when Brandy got older, I know she mentioned a lot, you know, my dad wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And those are the tough things. Because I can't answer that. And I didn't actually chase to keep that. Um, If someone didn't want to be, you know, in partnership to to help me rear and raise, they were more than welcome by all means to to go ahead and move forward. And I didn't have those answers. And then another difficult thing was telling my kids to wait or I couldn't afford something. Um, Even though, you know, material things are not all what it's chimed up to be. But when you're a kid, you you want different things. And if you need something and you come ask your mom and you I have to say, well, wait till I I get extra money or we can't afford that right now. That was challenging because I want to give my kids the world (laughs) and I wasn't able to. Yeah. And that was the challenge or even, you know, not having a car and my kids are like tired, but we would be a team 
and we would walk like to the local Walmart or I would like get them from school. I would walk to go pick them up from school or if we live by McDonald's, I would walk and take them down the street and let them play or walk across to Peter Piper because um, at different apartments that we stayed at, it was kind of local to some things and we would have to walk, you know, we would be tired mm. or not want to or have to carry bags. But, you know, this is what we did. And it, it was just my part to try to compensate for what I didn't have because where I didn't have money. I wanted to make memories for them. And that was, that was difficult, but we made it through and then having to deal with so much by yourself, not as a mom and as a woman, because there's tons of silent tears. You know what I mean? Like thousands, (laughs) millions, like, you know, holding my son or holding my kids and, rocking them to sleep and praise be to God, they really didn't get sick or injured or anything like that. And it's a blessing. And, um, but some nights, you know, while I'm holding them or tucking them in and I felt like, you know, they deserve the best. And I wish someone, you know, the, the other person (laughs) would realize how special these kids are. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then I look back and I'm just like, it was for the best, you know, because mm-hmm. 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 I'd rather them have peace than have turmoil with the presence of someone. Yeah. Just to have yep. someone near, you know, yep. like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Tell me more about when you say what you mean about God's grace and motherhood. What I mean by God's grace is um, making mistakes over and over or that not getting it right or feeling like you failed, but yet still being able to come to him and not feel like you're not good enough Mm. or messing up or you think you're messing up and you're not loving yourself and he's loving you or getting into difficult situations. Um, Like I, I talked about, you know, using when I was arrested for $63 worth of food stamps, like I, that oh, yeah, was yeah. crazy to me. Crazy. No. Yes. Alicia. Crazy. I'm working at the hospital as a CNA at the time. And I come home and I had two jobs, which, you know, I worked at a long-term care facility next to Providence hospital in El Paso. And I did a few hours there and I had that shift. Well, I applied for, food stamps and TANF because at the time too, I think I was paying like $500 in childcare and plus I have to pay rent, a car, no, you know, so I needed some help. So after turning in all those requirements, you you have to turn in documents and report statement earnings and different things like that. So I got approved for the $62 or 63, whatever, for about three months. And then two years later, you know, having that woman that representative from the El Paso court system come knock on my door and tell me, show me this file. And there's a case that I frauded the government because I was over benefited benefits. I was for $63, $63. And I couldn't believe it. And not only that, I had, this was my first time hearing of this but to know that it was an active warrant as well Mm. and I have kids 
and I have a job to go to tomorrow. You know, so mm-hmm. how do you deal with that? Yeah. And yeah, we had a family lawyer and he told my mom, he said, I'm not even going to take this case because this is, it'll cost me more to retain me than she even owes them. I think it was a total of like 120 or something, (laughs) but going through, right. I mean, it's just, how do you, how do you, um, how do you define that? How do you, you can't make this stuff up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's when I mean God's grace, because I was able to walk through that where it might have would have killed somebody else. Or I was able to sit in jail and and say, you know, I'm not doing community service. I'm not giving you four thousand dollars. I don't I'm not doing this. I'll take jail time, you know, Mm -hmm. God's grace in jail. And then when I encounter, you know, a church member who who blessed my heart, a judge who blessed my heart um, Mm -hmm. in tanks with women who were just very mature and pouring out their lives to you. And then you don't even you're not even thinking about what you're going through because you all of a sudden realize that God had you get caught up in this situation so that you could counter encounter these women. So maybe I could share or be a blessing to someone else to, or just to see how there's so many hurting women in different circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean by his grace, just placing you in hard situations and you overcome them and look back and don't even know how you overcame it at all. Yeah. Yeah. And then being able to look at it as, you know what, that was a blessing in disguise because of the things that you experienced when you did go through it. Mm hmm. And what's the, yes. (laughs) You know what's great? It is. You know, what's even more amazing is that he doesn't take away your human ability. And what I mean by that is while you're walking through this, you're human and you see your perspective and you're walking through something, but yet you experience his supernatural provision and power at the same time. It's, It's just amazing. Like, how can I have joy in this? How can I have peace in this? You know what? The Bible Mm -hmm. just became alive and active and real in my life. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, had a Paul moment, had a Joseph moment, you know, being thrown in the prison and having just amazing growth in the prison and then come out as Pharaoh's right hand man. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God's grace. Yeah. And it's so crazy because you sometimes you like question like why does this happen to me yeah you even put me through that and then when you look back you're all like dang i see it i see what you was doing yeah i see what you, yeah i see why that had to happen like i say 63 are you are you serious now but then once you actually look back and you're like okay you can kind of put the pieces together Mm-hmm. what the experience was and I'm still probably not even able to put a piece together or understand the whole totality of it because you know we have to remind ourselves that we're just a small piece of God's full plan right so whoever we encounter um whoever we run into he could have them reflect on that encounter later right Absolutely. right yeah 
that's why I addressed in Concrete Roads, you know, you, you have to be careful because you never know who you encounter, who somebody is, and your encounter could end up in a book or in public mm-hmm. or somebody talk about that. Like, you, you just never know who somebody is. Like, the women in prison, you know, you you know, they could be, they're looked at a, a certain way. And um, my degree right now is master's in public administration with a concentration in criminal justice. And mm-hmm. as I'm going through it, my mindset is to make, help develop judicial structures that someone can actually succeed in mm-hmm. because it's not set up for success. Success. Yep. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how can we change that? Let's put a believer in there. Let's see what could happen. You know, you never know. We got to get into these places of professionalism to help people. And that's one of the things I think I I pull out from it because I've got both sides. I'm on this Mm -hmm. side. Yeah. But I was also locked up behind bars and handcuffed. Mm -hmm. So it's like two dynamics that I can relate to. (sighs) Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, and while you were talking, I, I, it brought me back to the whole idea of the church and how you were saying, like, you never know your encounter with someone can end up in a book, your encounter with someone can end up, you know, on anywhere, you know, and I think about when we think about the things that we go through just as humans and we, we look to the church for um, I say peace and just just wisdom and things like that. Mm-hmm. And when the church responds in a way that's um, the opposite of what it should be responding to, I'll say it that way. You don't realize how much you are like how you're affecting someone because you don't know who they are. You don't know mm-hmm. what God has called them to be. You don't mm-hmm. know what their story is going to end up being. Mm-hmm. So if you're not careful with what you're saying, if you're not careful with how you're treating them, you're you could be sabotaging God's plan for them. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. if you could if you were that type of person that could have taken, like you said, you could have been on the brink of um killing yourself, suicide, anything. Mm-hmm. If you would have took what they said and carried out a plan that God didn't have for you, like just the mad to me, it's just like you don't you just don't know. Yeah. What God has in store. So I feel like people be, need to be more careful of it, not only the things that they say and not only the words they put on people, but also how they, their perception of people and need to learn how to be more um, looking and showing empathy towards people because uh, I'm thinking about everything that you're saying. I'm thinking, because even after reading the book and I'm thinking about everything, and I'm like, when someone is going through something like a pregnancy, that's not the time, uh, or a pregnancy out of wedlock. That's not the time to show to give them your opinions or what you feel they should have done or what they should be doing or what what path they should have gone on. Like that's not the time for that. Mm-hmm. That's the time where you should be able to show more of who God is and more of like you say, God's grace and more of God's mm-hmm. love. Like that should be the time where God's characteristics should come out more in you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's, and it doesn't, and it doesn't, and, and you just never, you never know. You never know who you're touching. You never know who you're, who you're speaking to. You never know what their, what the plan is for their life. 
So you always have to be careful about how you present yourself everywhere that you go because you can be you can be that missing piece. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I was just thinking about <laughs> I was thinking about that like wow. Yeah, what you said it's so true. Like you can you you. you towards one another instead of judgment mm-hmm. because when you really think about it the only thing that frustrates me about um how people view uh single moms or how people view uh, getting pregnant out of wedlock the only thing that frustrates me about that is because it's something that people see like it's, mm-hmm. it's because it's like one of those sins that people can see and actually say Ooh, she's dead. Ah. but like Everybody doing their own stuff, and just because I don't see it, and just because it's not visible to the public eye, don't make you no better. So that's oh, like like secret sins. Yeah, and it's yes. like I'm all like mm-hmm. that. That's why I don't. To me, I feel like mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I feel people are unfairly judged when it comes to that because just because you can see it and you can point it out, don't make it no worse than what somebody else is doing underneath the table or in the in the closet. Mm-hmm. You can see what they've done. Worse, or sin upon sin upon sin, and ain't nobody coming mm-hmm. at you crazy. <laughs> like that's why I get right. I not get really touchy because they that. don't know. Yeah, I like the way that you put that because it's the one that can be seen. I love the way that you yeah. worded that. I never thought about that. And another thing that gets me too is that tying the spirit of Jezebel to a woman who wears red lipstick or dresses nice mm-hmm. or doesn't have her skirt all the way down to her knees um mm-hmm. I've experienced you know because of the way that I've dressed and I, I I'm not a provocative dresser at all but you know we like style we like fashion uh, makeup and d- different things like that um Jezebel is not a just like just a lustful character if you look at the origin of Jezebel um, in Kings, Jezebel is actually a woman who wants power and position. She bullied her husband, Ahab, and she wanted him to take positions that wasn't his. I mean, she went around killing God's prophets and she had her own prophets who were soothsayers and things. So Jezebel is a spirit that will inhabit a position if it's not filled. So if I'm out of place, if I'm not fulfilling my role, a Jezebel spirit will come and take up that role. It's mm. just like, you know, they they relate single women to like a Mary, Mag- Mary Magdalene type of woman. Well, when did the word of God ever say that Mary Magdalene was a horrible woman? It said she was someone he whom he cast seven spirits out of. Well, mm. she's blessed. Because she got deliverance. How many people are mm-hmm. out there walking around with legions of demons and not one is cast out? And you're infiltrated with brigades and armies of demons that you don't even know is in you. But she had in seven. We all have, have demons in us and spirits that come in, are within us. We all have to overcome these things because... We're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We need deliverance mm-hmm. from stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's the number one, not having full biblical knowledge and understanding before using a 
passage or terminology or either adopting yeah that language because you heard somebody else say it but right it's easier for you to repeat what you heard oh look at that Jezebel or look at that Mary Magdalene but you won't go invest the time to sit and research who Jezebel was and Mary Magdalene was And that's great value in that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but yeah. 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 I definitely enjoyed the conversation and just thinking about just a lot of things that I think as um, mothers, as um, women, as Christian women just being aware of a lot of things that we experience and go through and also just looking at God's hand in your life and how you have to just make sure that you're representing yourself, you know, as someone who is a a follower of Christ and not necessarily a follower of, um, I don't want to say the church because that was not going to sound right, but (laughs) making sure that you're, you're, walking the walk and talking the talk Mm -hmm. and being aware of what you're putting up what you're putting there um i enjoyed um reading the book because it just gave me a different perspective of your experience you know i i think i was coming from a place of it i i I grew up watching you i grew up in the same church i didn't think anything Mm -hmm. was a big deal (laughs) to me it was like no big deal but um, to 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 see your perspective or read your perspective, I'm like, wow, to know that someone not even I'm not gonna say not deserve because God allows things to happen for whatever reason, but to be someone who would have never, to me in my opinion, would have never done anything anybody else or mm-hmm. anything harmful to anyone else to have to experience what you did, it's kind of like. It was very unfortunate that unfortunate that those were your experiences. But the sad thing about it is, I'm sure there are other people that experience the same. That's too afraid to even not necessarily afraid, but don't want to talk about it, mm-hmm. or feel like there's they're not. It's not necessary mm-hmm. to talk about. So I do yeah. appreciate you even bringing up those things and just bringing up your experience and in 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 a way to help others because I know. Once you, I, I think once you um, allow yourself to be vulnerable and to tell your story, it makes other people more willing to say, well, this was my experience as well. Or I didn't necessarily experience that, but this is what I experienced on my end. Mm-hmm. So I think it just empowers more women to to be more comfortable with seeing what they went through in similar circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else you want to share or talk about in regarding the book? Yes. Um, Another nugget that I hopefully like it can be seen throughout the book is um, even though it's a vulnerable story and even though I went through hurt and tribulation, like, you know, the next person, um, you don't have to broadcast it just because you're hurt. You don't have to repay evil for evil. You don't have to let it be known, blast it on social media, um, make spectacles out of baby fathers and 
different or people period or say the the thing that you want to say on your mind and I think that's what empowered me more is just taking it back to Christ and resisting the temptation to retaliate because it's unnecessary Mm -hmm. and this is not what we do and I wanted to grow and in Concrete Rose that's what it's about that front cover is my original that I wrote long time ago, back when I was young, um, it had one single rose. This one, it has a bunch of roses coming out of that concrete. That concrete represents hard, tough, stony places, stony foundations and barriers that we have to break through. But we were down there and nobody knew that we were down there. We were silent. We were being cultivated. We were stretching. We were growing. We were being nourished. But when I look at it as when he brought me out, he didn't just bring me out by myself. He's going to bring a whole bunch of women out. Roses represent yeah. beauty and love. You know, everybody's coming out because I believe there's so many women who are hurting and who have been walked away from and who feel depleted and they can't take anymore. Like there is just times like you just want to give up. You can't do this. And it's something supernatural that just keeps you going the next day. <laughs> But you don't tell anybody. Yeah. You're not lashing yeah. out. You're not being mean. You're not telling people what's on my on your mind and cussing them out. That's beautiful. And you don't have to do that. And yeah. women, we don't have to keep hurting each other. You don't have to downplay another sister who is successful and married and having a good life because you don't have that. And I feel like what gives you the right to project that on somebody else? And it's not, it's like, you know, hurt people, hurt people. But what gives you the right to do that just because you're hurt? Who are you to to say that? You know, and that's kind of what I want to do because we judge each other as women. You know, we 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 talk about one another, step on one another. We don't want anybody to do good. Well, there is room for all of us. Yes. (laughs) And we're in our own. Yeah. And something that I one last thing. Huh? No, go ahead. Oh, no, I was saying a lot of times we actually are going through the same things, maybe in a different Mm -hmm. way, but Mm -hmm. there's so much that we can learn from each other if we would just Mm -hmm. relax, relax, (laughs) love on each other. Yeah, love on each other. Yes. Don't, you know, resent, you know, resist the temptation to give the dirty look or to roll your eyes or to comment, you know, resist that. A lot of people talk about, you know, different like lust and things like that, which are big temptations. But no, temptations can be of an evil thought, an evil look, um, saying something, thinking something. Those are temptations, silent divisions. You know, the word of God speaks of little foxes and that come to destroy the vines. Like those are where it starts at. You know, instead of like looking at someone with resentment, offer a smile it's going to take a lot to offer that smile, but you don't know what you just did. You just broke down so many barriers in yourself when you did that. And you stretched open another capacity of love for Jesus Christ to be shown through you. Yeah. So yes, that's what I would, I would put that out there. (laughs) Maturity and development as, as a, as a woman. Definitely. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, so well, can get the book that haven't purchased or read. How can they get the book from you? So it is on Amazon. Um, 
due to my, my everyday life, I'm not able to sit out and mail, <laughs> mail books yeah. like I, I did in the beginning. So Amazon is a great outlet. Um, mm-hmm. I tell people you can just Google Concrete Rose by Rosalind Green. Um, in the back of the book, I also connected an email um, where you can ask me questions or we can chit chat about it. But Amazon is going to be a great resource. You'll get your book in two days. And it's it's great. If you don't get the book, you'll get a refund. I think it's the safest outlet to distribute the book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's very noteworthy. So, yeah, I know. I didn't want to say that for sure. I know, of course, you get like a specific site that you um that you also had. So I just wanted to clarify that. I'm sorry, it, it cut out a little bit. Oh no, I was saying I knew that Amazon was um was you know of course the go-to but I wasn't sure if you had like another site that you to direct people to or if you were okay with them going through Amazon yeah Amazon is fine um I'm working on Barnes and Nobles but that's not um fully pushed through at the moment I'm at the tail end on that um but Amazon is going to be key uh and sometimes if I have if I get um, books on hand. I'll go ahead and post it on social media. Uh, and I'm going to say my social media preference of choice would be Instagram. <laughs> okay. I could, yeah. I could use Facebook because it'll, um, it'll be able to, to reach, but my Facebook audience consists of like family and different things like that versus I really would love to go past that scope and reach women and people that I've never even encountered. Well, I definitely appreciate talking with you. Uh, We're good. I'm good. If you're good. I am. I loved it. I enjoyed myself, Alicia. All All right. right. Thanks for having me. So this concludes my interview with Rosalind Green, author of Concrete Roads, God's Grace and Motherhood, now available on Amazon.com. So go out there and get the book, y'all. And remember, you can follow me on Instagram at The Book of Alicia, as well as like my Facebook page, The Book of Alicia. And don't forget, you can check out my blog at www.aliciashavon.com. That's www.aleshashevon.com, where you're able to get a glimpse of my life and thoughts as well as purchase the books that I have co-authored over the past year. I pray that you enjoyed that show. Till next time y'all be blessed. I'm out.